0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Generations United Church podcast, podcast for GenU by GenU. My name is Luke Williams, and I'm the pastor of GenU's online ministries and young adults. And if you're new to GenU, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you want to know more about our faith community, head on over to our website, genuchurch.com. You can find out more info on our church, the different ministries and upcoming events. I had the pleasure to sit down with our student pastor, Pastor Ryan Trimmel, and discuss a group of people that are near and dear to both of our hearts, Generation Z, or Gen Z for short. You might be asking yourself, why is a church podcast dedicating an entire episode to one generation? Well, it's because this generation stretches from elementary school age all the way to the newest grouping of adults. So if you're a business owner, they are the newest college graduates entering the job market. If you're a church leader, they are your new tithers, small group leaders, volunteers. If you're a parent of a child in elementary, middle school, high school, college, or in their early 20s, you will care about this conversation. I had so much fun talking to Pastor Ryan about this topic. Before I knew it, we had been speaking for over two hours. So I've divided this conversation into two parts that way it makes it easier for you to listen. And in this first part, we discuss the generational markers and generational challenges for Gen Z. In part two, Pastor Ryan and I discuss the opportunities and hopes we have for this generation. Like every person throughout all generations, both past and present, Gen Z bears the image of God. And through the grace of Christ and power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that this generation will rise up to share the great love that God has for everyone. A little bit about my guest today, Pastor Ryan, he has a passion to encourage and disciple people in their walk with Christ. He holds a BA in Biblical Studies from the International Bible College in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada. And is currently pursuing a master's in discipleship and Christian formation from the Pentecostal Theological Seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee. He has over twenty years of ministry experience, which we talk a little bit about. He has been married for eleven years to his wife Becca, and they have three children: Abby, Izzy, and Joey. So, let's get into our discussion today, where we answer the question: Who is Gen Z? Pastor Ryan Dremel, welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. You like that? That's very going nice, right dude, into, straight it. into it.
0: I did the same thing with Tommy last time, and I think it was, uh, we were both like, hey, what are we, are we recording right now? And it's like, yeah, I think we're recording right now. We are, rec- we're recording right, yeah, this, right this second.
1: That's where you can split, cut, edit, and piece it and make it sound like it's phenomenal.
0: I know. I'm probably not going to cut this out, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in. <laughs> I want people to know this is a real conversation <laughs> with real people, with real pastors. Ryan, uh, for those for the listener out there, Ryan is our student pastor. Ryan, you've been here... F- we're recording this at the very beginning of, of April, so you've been here now two months?
1: Three. Uh, two months, yeah. March, February, March. Yeah, we got here last week of January, so yeah, we're just two months in.
0: Dang, man. How's it going?
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, we got the beach life. We got... Uh, the church family is phenomenal, so I mean, like, can't really argue. Yeah, it's beach and Jesus, it works both together.
0: Beach and Jesus, man, it's always uh, always a good time. You have been so you you are student pastor now, but you've been you've been a student pastor before.
1: Yeah, you know, I grew up in ministry. My parents weren't pastors, but we, we, you know, they drug us to church all the time. So I, we I understand there. that, 100%. Well, 20 hours a week, like, it's, it was just church life, Sunday, <laughs> all day Sunday, Wednesday, Saturdays, anytime open. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was a music pastor. Uh, I grew up doing music, so my first gigs were like worship pastor. Um, then it, most smaller churches needed both, so you became worship and youth. Right. Um, and so I've been a student pastor at two uh, previous stops, and so this might be my third stint around. And it's probably the funnest job when you can just yeah. hang out with students and go talk to them about Jesus and you know, go to arcade or go play mini golf or have beach days. I so mean, fun.
0: It's yeah. awesome. It's, it's so so fun for those of you who don't know I'm the uh, young adult pastor and so we have uh, students and young adults and we're coming to talk about gen Z and we're gonna talk we're going to talk about this a little bit more but with gen Z it really bleeds into both yours and my oh, yeah. my job I remember I remember back in the middle of the pandemic you uh, and, you know, COVID hit 2020 in, the, in March. So that kind of started to throw a kind of a kink in things for college students when it comes to spring break. Well, then it turns out people were just, were, everyone was trying to figure out COVID anyways, but they just started coming down here. And so people started complaining. They're like, "All oh, these dang millennials down here at the beach, messing it up for everybody. Yeah. And all of us, all the millennials were like, bro, those aren't millennials. That's Gen Z, and so it brought it made me realize with the discussion of generations. You and I, as especially as pastors, especially as people who've like worked with this age group, we think about generations and generation mm-hmm. like markers, like we a lot. Like good lord, yeah. the, the amount of stuff we've invested in and like watched and listened to. Absolutely, I know you have
1: download youth ministry, all these type <laughs> of cats. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're they're constant weekly listened to.
0: Yeah, we're trying like just so we can understand our people. And so what it made me realize is that I don't think number 1, some of the older generations understand this generation. Mm-hmm. One. True. Number 2 what I don't think they understand is these are the people entering the job markets, which means they are new tithers to the church, they're new adults within the church. They are the ones that will be taking the reins. Eventually. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to to understand there. So today we're going to talk about just some – we're going to talk about the characteristics of Gen Z. We're talking about the characteristics, the challenges, opportunities, and the future hopes. So let's talk about just who they are. Yeah. Who is Gen Z? Yep. Yeah. And uh, like what we started, like with our last um, po- podcast, that's how we're going to start this podcast. We, co- we start with the question. hmm who is, who is Gen Z? So Gen Z, they're, and, and these numbers are roundabouts because it's not, it's not an exact science. And we'll yeah, talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But so they're about born between about 1999 and 2015. So 99 to 15, they're about 23 to 25. Mm-hmm. What were you doing at that age?
1: That age, I was in Bible college. Yeah. I had a direction for my life. I kind of already knew where I was going, what I was doing. So, 23, you know, I was self providing. You know, I was was in, in Bible college near my family. Right. My family, I grew up in Pennsylvania, my parents were there. I was in Bible college in Canada. Uh, in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. So we're Boy, talking. That's a mouthful. Uh, it's massive massive mouth, mouthful. <laughs> like, I'm a white American, one the only one there for the first year. Then there's two others my, my third year there, but <laughs> it's crazy. I'm the only American there. So, like, yeah. adulting just was part of life. You know? Yeah. So at 23, you know, I had direction, purpose, all those different things, a lot of things. That um, I think this generation is not quite sure at at twenty
0: three. Yeah, no, totally. I at that age, let's see, at twenty three, I'd been married for a year. Oh wow! And yeah, <laughs> and we just found out we were pregnant with our oldest. Wow! So twenty three to twenty five was like I was learning to be a husband. I was um, we weren't in we weren't in full time ministry at the time, but we were. But I was working, and we were kind of. Building careers, and um, and then at twenty five is when we had our we had Smith, we had our second. So I mean, like this age, like it's one thing to kind of think of it as like, oh, they're just kids. Yeah, it's like they're not the old the older end of this. They're not they're not kids. They're no. they're adults. They're man. adults. Yeah, like almost like the first like like I don't know like the first like six to eight years there. They're they're adults, and so let's let's. Defined to the different generations, oh, yeah, so that people sure. know where they find themselves. So you mm-hmm. and I are millennials. Yep. Whether we like it or not.
1: Uh, well, I'm 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 a borderline. I'm that's a, right. I was born in '83,
0: so that's I'm right. Like, I'm that I'm that on the border. So for the for the listeners, millennials on the older end. Not calling you old, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. It's about 83 to 85, so born between 1983 and 1985, all mm-hmm. the way up until about 1998. So that is, that. those are millennials. The one before them, that's Gen X, so you're born between 1965, 1982, and 83. The boomers, which we talk a lot about, there's a lot of talk about boomers, Yep, born between 1946 and 1964, and then... They had, there really wasn't a lot of like generational discussion before that. So pr- before boomers, it, they're just called the elder generation. Yeah. So nineteen forty five and, and and earlier is yeah. what we call. I've heard them called the silent generation, the, or, mm. because they're just not really talked about all that much. But you know, oh, that's that's actually probably like a good name there. And so when we talk about but when we talk about generations, like we're saying there, mm-hmm. there's there's markers to it. And there's different things that happen within those generations that really, like, created and formed them into who they are. Yeah, it identifies. Uh, there are markers that identify that, those big moments.
1: What, do you th- what are some of the things that define millennials? Oh, man. I think the first thing that pops in my head is um, 9/11. 9 Nine eleven. 9-11, yeah. I think that's a huge marker. I mean, that's one of those times where you, you ask anybody millennial – even you know older generations, where were you? Yeah, on that just just saying, where were you? You you instantly your mind goes nine eleven. Okay, I was a junior in high school. I was walking around. I saw it on the TV. Like life was different. Yeah, from that moment on, like that
0: that's a huge marker. I think for most millennials, yeah, it it's a huge one. And nine eleven is going to be important when we talk about Gen Z here. in Australia. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, so nine eleven. I I remember being middle school. Mm-hmm. Um. We, when did your when did you get internet in your house? Oh man, or did you ever
1: have internet in your house? I didn't have internet in my house until after I came back from college. My parents had internet, yeah. They we didn't have internet growing up, though, yeah. We didn't even have cable TV, we had two stations still. Arguably, probably better. Probably. <laughs> Definitely. It was CBS and ABC, you know? You it go. was 10 and 23. And sometimes we'd get Fox, depending on how we bent the antenna. And if it was yeah. fall,
0: because summertime, not a chance. But <laughs> How fall, you bent possibly. the antenna? Yeah, yeah, that's just the way it worked, man. Dude, that's so great, man. We lived in a country. So we didn't really... I didn't have internet. I don't think we had internet until... Man, it may have been eighth grade maybe in ninth grade um but it wasn't but I didn't, gr- I didn't grow up with it either so yeah.
1: i didn't even grow up with a computer no we had uh, we had a typewriter and then we had a, something called a oh, wow. word processor yeah which i mean this this will blow your mind but it's a typewriter with a tv screen and, and you, it's
0: not a computer it's
1: not it was not it was not a computer <laughs> Because <laughs> we couldn't afford a computer, so it's, when I had to yeah. get like papers and like when I was a sophomore, a junior, I mean, I remember my mom brought it. It was like a brother or something like that. But you typed on the screen and you could delete without having using the whiteout. Wow! And then you could print from it. I mean, yeah. it was like life changing yeah. having that in my household. But yeah. we, we didn't even have a computer.
0: Man, it was <laughs> oh just,
1: my gosh! This is I mean that's just I mean I think that's also a significant marker for millennials is like. The adoption of technology. Yes. But it wasn't like at the beginning of our lives, it
0: was in the middle. Right. But internet, but it did start to play a huge role in our lives. Oh, absolutely. Especially as internet, you know, people started getting it in their houses. It wasn't just used for work or school. It mm-hmm. was recreation. Yeah. You know, I remember downloading again, sorry, mom and dad wasn't allowed to, but I did anyways. AOL Instant Messenger, oh, like, yeah. messaging, you know, my friends, that was a, that was a that was a cultural kind of milestone. Then you get MySpace. That was a cultural oh, milestone. Space. Absolutely. Yeah. LimeWire, downloading oh, stuff illegally off the internet. I mean, those were like golden years. Yeah. People don't there's I don't know, there's something about that early 2000s and I think for the for millennials it was mm-hmm. so formative for us. Oh yeah. Because you had big big things like um 9 11, which Mm -hmm. rocked our world. Then you had technology changes, which changed what it meant to be in the culture. Mm -hmm. Now let's switch into our Gen Z. Oh, yeah. How important is technology to Gen Z? It's their life. Like,
1: they've woke up. They they took their first breath in a technology-driven society. Yes. Like, they don't recognize a world without a cell phone. Nope. And not just a cell phone, a smartphone.
0: No. Like, they don't
1: know what a flip phone is. We played a game with them a couple weeks ago called H... it was figure out decode this text message. It was like when you had an old flip phone and you had to press nine <laughs> the three t, times. The t9, yeah, yeah, the T nine phones, and they had to figure out like, oh, what's three nines mean? Like, what's three eights? What letter does that land on? Like, that does not exist for them. They type the text. They they send Snapchat videos. Like, yeah. they don't understand a world without technology. Yeah. So it is all of their life. Yeah. Their entire life is a, is wrapped around evolved as been formed and shaped by the rapid pace of technology.
0: No, a hundred percent. So let's, let's talk about some markers and characteristics of Gen Z. And we're actually going to use, I'm going to utilize the research out of Barna. So for, if, if, for those of you who don't know, Barna is really the leading group of researchers when it comes to the state of the church in America. And, So their focus is very church-based. It's very discipleship-based. And so they, in 2016, they did a huge study, and it was actually a global study studying Generation Z. Mm. 2018 is when they released that study. Then 2020 happens, COVID hits, and they're... Two things kind of step back. Number one, COVID was a huge change for people in this generation. Absolutely. Number two, this generation is changing so rapidly that four-year-old information at that point was no longer relevant. Which is crazy to think about. Four by. years. Yeah, and that's four years and things are drastically different. While While some of the numbers and specifics, I think, did alter a little bit, I think... The characteristics what define them i think that those things do are, are pretty pretty you know head right on
1: yeah they're still relevant
0: so one of the first things is they're mostly raised by gen x that's so the cultural milestones of gen xers that you know really come into age in the 80s and early 90s and those are the people that are raising this generation they're the most ethnically diverse generation in american history no oh, absolutely they have grown up with screens which what we were mm-hmm. talked about just a second ago um, just right there when I'm done those those are massive those those things really really form who you re- who you are just from a, t- the technology piece who you're raised by ethnic diversity which goes into cultural diversity the next thing is they're success driven this is what's interesting so like i said 9/11 is going to be important for this discussion They don't remember 9-11. No. They know a post-9-11 world, Mm -hmm. but what they do remember is the 2008 financial crisis. Oh, yeah. They're success-driven. So if you're you're listening and you're trying to put some things together, they're success-driven, and one of the big markers of this generation is the financial crisis and the recession of 2008. Mm -hmm. So we'll start putting those pieces together here in a little bit. They're highly inclusive and individualistic, so they are very open minded they're sensitive to others feelings and experiences they're wary of asserting any one view as right or wrong um, and then the last thing that kind of defines them is they are safe like safety and security is important to them so they want to be and they want to create safe spaces for individuals i know that's a real hot button word especially with some of the older generations that you know it's kind of looked at as people are being kind of soft. Oh, yeah, it's you a weakness. Know, it's a weakness to create to create those things. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask everyone to put their Gen Z brains on for a second and be open-minded mm-hmm. and just listen because I think one of the biggest issues that we can do or one of the biggest mistakes we can make is we can be so close-minded, and then we don't understand, and then we're one, we're kind of looking around, be like, "Well, I wonder why the world's changed." So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Man, the world's been changing right underneath your nose. You just didn't want to pay attention to what's going Absolutely. on." Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about the challenges, man. I'm and I don't want to just rattle off statistics, but we're going to actually kind of dive into some of this here. So I said the first thing. We're, so those are the characteristics. Now we're going to talk about the challenges. So let's talk about. So here's some of the things, but here here's some just information. Technology-wise, 57% use screens over four hours or more a day on average. 57%. Four hours a day or more on average. 60% affirm this is too much. So out of that grouping, 60% say this is, this is too much. But only about 12% are actually doing anything about this. Which I think that, that those statistics are statistics are crazy because I feel like it's way more. Oh, it's a oh, this is old. This is old news. Yeah, this is it's it is way more. Absolutely, it's what's crazy. And what are for you? What do you? What are some of the challenges you you see with the technology and, and Gen Z? You oh. and I said th- I'm gonna say this real quick. Mm-hmm. You and I said this when we were first talking about this. Yeah. These kids are smarter than their parents. Oh, absolutely. When it comes to technology,
1: they're just smarter, you know? Um, and there was a book that I read a couple years ago that says just because they're, that this generation is smarter, but they're not mature. They have all the information yeah. that they want at their fingertips, but yet they don't have the life experiences to process it within a truth, to build character, to um, to build values that sustain that them throughout their life. Yeah. And one of the big things with, I mean, technology is, you know, the, the facts of depression that come on, the the comparison game, the lack of I think I, I told you this, they lack authenticity yeah. because everything is just and we'll talk about that during the success of perfection drive. But but um, they just lack authenticity because everything yeah. in one moment. I mean, think about Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? That as soon as he made that slap, it was the slap heard around the world, right? in seconds in seconds these kids if they make one mistake like when we made one one mistake whatever our buddies said it two or three guys saw it they made fun of it whatever it disappeared right yeah. and and even if that you could always like downplay now nah, that never happened technology now you make one mistake everybody has a camera out everybody yeah. sees it you can go from a nobody to a uh, A meme where hundreds of millions of people see who you are and then make fun of you and just destroy you in just a matter of moments. So I mean, like technology, I mean that it is such a giant barrier for them to be authentic, to be real. Yeah, Um, they don't know how to personally interact with people. Physical touch for them is challenging. You know, if you ever go up and talk to a um, to to these to this generation, you're going to look at them and you're going to you go and you put your hand out. They don't know how to do handshakes. They don't how to like look you in the eye when they have a conversation they're constantly uh, unaware of their body or their posture so like just just that because everything to them is through a screen and interaction emotions are through a screen interaction so it's very flaccid it's very just unreal and unauthentic so technology is such a it's such a huge part of their lives but it's also very it's it, it it breaks down those social barriers that yeah. you and I were raised upon because technology right. was not a barrier. It was a support. Here, it is life. It, so it becomes barriers and walls that they can use to
0: protect themselves. So it's a culture maker. Mm-hmm. It's an identity f- former. Mm-hmm. And for those, for them that are, let me go back to what you said too about Will Smith and them. That happened in seconds. And what happened the next day? Tons of articles, tons, oh. millions, millions of people had opinions, opinions. in seconds. <laughs> and they're uploading videos. My take on Will Smith.
1: My yeah. take on this. Who cares? Yeah, first of all, who
0: cares? <laughs> who cares? I don't know who you are, <laughs> yeah, <for> Bill real. <laughs> from Sandusky. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in your opinion on Will Smith. But at the same time... How do we frame that within this discussion of Gen Z? Oh, yeah. You're a 13-year-old. You post a picture on Instagram. It is immediately up for scrutinization and critique.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Immediately, within seconds, it's being judged. Yeah. It's crazy how how quickly it can happen. And that's a picture that they judge themselves they took twenty or thirty right. pictures before they even posted that, hoping that that would be the one that would get the positive judgment, the yes. positive reviews, and not the 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 make fun of, not the destruction, not the right. critique. Like it's oh my god, putting the right filter on it. Oh, yeah.
0: Like yes, the whole thing. And you know when we're thinking about what forms these these kids, like screens and the internet, really form them. To the point where they're nicknamed screenagers. Oh yeah, which is which is funny. It's a funny name. It's also a very real reality. And so I think for parents that are, well, number one, people, parents of teenagers, Mm -hmm. but also parents of, you know, eighteen through twenty-three year olds, and people who are, um pastoring this age and also people who are business leaders who are who are managing and leading this age, they have to see like this is how they were formed. Yeah. This is how they see themselves. This is how they interact with culture and friends and family. It's through technology. It's also how but that's our fault too. Like that's the millennial fault. percent that's Gen X fault because thousand percent. That's a good point.
1: We we looked at technology as a support to our lives yep. because it was so new to us. We didn't realize what it was going to develop into. And so we were, instead of, I'm, uh, I'm not going to throw them all under the bus. Throw but, them under the bus. But dude. so many of them said, here, watch the TV yep. and entertain yourself. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm I'm bored, I'm tired, I can't handle you. Watch the TV. Here's a video game. Play this. Here's my phone. Get this. You're five years old. Here's an iPhone. So yeah. like we didn't understand the dangers of how it was shaping the hearts and minds, the emotions, right, the thought processes of these yeah. kids. We just thought it was an addition. Now it's so we're our generations, we're we we created this monster in effect. I think so. And so now I feel like it's 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 part of that challenge of how do you recorrect it not only just for this generation for the, but right. for the next generation so that it can come back and be controlled rather than it be controlling and driving force of culture in life absolutely um, because these kids can I mean you're you're fourteen 15, you go through an anime stage and they can watch people from China how they dress how they talk how they do all that if you want to be, go be you know whatever you want to be you can find a whole world instantly connect to. And feel part of a, a family yeah. and, and attached to it and feel like you belong to people who you've never seen before, but you feel like it
0: through a screen, you're connected. Yeah. Because you're connected to everybody in the world. But it's it's a challenge. It's a super big challenge. And I think, um, I think you're right in that like we created this monster. And and also too, like I don't want this stuff also feel like we're hammering out, you know, some parents out there. Because I think number one, Gen X didn't grow up with the internet yeah they're raising a lot of the majority of those in the, within this generation and so I don't think they fully knew mm, or no. w- for what they're doing it should also be said you and I as millennials are raising kids within this mm-hmm. age my my two oldest ones are within this within this group yep um and I remember Eva was probably two years old. And we let I let her use my phone to like watch oh gosh Disney Junior or something right like to little Disney Junior yeah exactly dude she it did not take any time she could just whip around on my phone mm-hmm. like nothing and I'm like you can barely talk yeah and you can't read but you know how to use this piece this very advanced piece of technology mm-hmm. in like no time so one of the th- and one of the things i read when i was an undergrad cuz we had this class and we were having this discussion about technology because I, I i'm also a benefit of like online schooling oh yeah absolutely you know what i mean like I, our our generations were the first ones that really got to taste what that is and and help form what it is it is now and we were talking about the dangers of technology and whatever but one of the things we read was like technology is amoral. Mm-hmm. Technology, my phone in and of itself is an amoral yeah. being, and which means there's no morality to it. It, but it can be whatever the user or the person wants it to be. Absolutely. And I think what people we don't when we because we we see our phones, and we're like oh, it's just a phone. We like, see our computer, it's just a computer. We don't think about how it's being used, Mm -hmm. how we use it, and how people use it to influence us. Oh, yeah. And others, yes, and especially young minds. And so I think before we move on into like this next part, I I, I, want to also say this, and I wish it's going to sound like I'm being – it's going to sound like, I don't know, it's like an ugly thing to say, but I wish I had actually known this when I was younger is that with millennials and on, we are what we're discovering is that the brains are not fully forming. Yeah, they're not fully forming until after 20, in some cases 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. The neurological pathways, the actual brain is not completely done developing until early to mid 20s, yep. which is also different than earlier generations, and so. Number one, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm just quoting something that I read, mm-hmm. admittedly. But I do think that, with that in mind, that is, it means that the ability to be influenced, informed, is consistently there oh. for a long time,
1: for a very long time.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, when you would, I mean, yeah,
1: like I, I've read back in the day. Even the previous generation's greatest generation they're, they're, they, their minds were completely developed 18 19, right mm-hmm. Now, like you said, we're talking 22, 23, 24. yeah, that's a big age gap. And then you look at the educational system the way they it's set up, you look at how society is set up to have maturity come quicker. yeah it's now being delayed at, yeah. at such a pace that I mean you're talking kids are out of college. Starting yeah. their first career path and yet their brains aren't
0: yet completely fully developed. I mean, there are that's, people graduating med school and their brains aren't even fully developed. Yet. Yeah. And then they're, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It has nothing to do with intelligence. Exactly. It, it has nothing to do, to do with any of that. So yeah.
1: y- their influence is just, it, it shapes them and it, it, it keeps them from having a sure foot of yeah. who they are in life. And I hear that so much in this generation. These younger people, like their options are so limitless. Yeah. That they can't figure out if I make this if I if I choose this then I miss this. FOMO is so real, and technology real. has done that. And their inability to have that the, the maturity and their the fully development of the brain constantly is fighting for who am I? What's my purpose? Is this okay? Who's going to influence? I mean, I was watching. I follow, I started following this guy on Twitter. Um, uh, just because I, he some of the things he was he was posting, and uh, he's I found out he was a gamer, and he has almost a half a million people follow him because of him playing video games. and people watching him—that's crazy. It, watching it, him play video. games. Watching him play video games, yeah. and so we have these nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds. Yeah, this dude has influence over a half a million people, and the only thing he does is play video games. Yeah, like in our and our kids are these kids are exposed to this nonstop from YouTube, from yeah. Snapchat, from Instagram, crazy. from uh, you know, and they're not on Facebook anymore, but like nope. they're all of these different avenues and do not have a fully developed brain. I mean, they can't make cognitive decisions, they can't, they don't have the emotional depth to be able to make sure footed decisions. I mean, all of these things are destructive for this generation which i man, my heart breaks for them because man yeah. they it's they're facing things that no other generation has ever had to face due to technology.
0: It's crazy. It's a, it's just a completely different day in which we live and man all right let's move on man. Okay. I think that that's I think if any any takeaway there for parents and and those it, screens and technology matter and they are smarter than you. Way okay. smarter. So the next thing, let's talk about that's the the challenge with this. They are success and perfection driven. Mm-hmm. For almost half, almost half of half of them believe that financial security is connected to happiness. Yeah, almost half of them, and I would imagine that number um, hasn't in, has increased. And who knows all that goes in into that? But you have this. Very large majority of this group that says my success is measured by my fina- by financial apt not just aptitude but how much money I can make that equals success and my happiness is tied to all of that yeah which just sounds trepidatious, just off the top of, you know what I mean <laughs> oh my like gosh that. yeah but why is that
1: why 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 is that why is that the marker for their happiness?
0: I think it goes back a lot to 2008. Yeah,
1: that's what I was, that's what I was thinking.
0: I personally, and you know, when 2008 happened, so I was 20 when the recession hit. I remember being at work when the stock market hit that really crazy low, mm-hmm. like the like the I forgot I forgot how 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 low it was, and. I remember that day, not knowing really all what it meant, mm-hmm. and then knowing that it was bad, but not knowing the full effects of it. And I don't think any of us knew the full effects oh, of it. Yeah. I remember, you know, years later, working with um, individuals that I know. That I remember this one lady. She was a couple of years away from retirement. She lost so much in the recession that she, that uh, her financial advisor said, "You're going to have to work for another 10, 15 years oh, to make to just to recoup the losses." Mm-hmm. Of what your what happened with your investments, that's an individual story. Mm-hmm. I know many people. Our family personally was affected by the the market and how that and what happened and that in that year and that time and that aftermath, because our country was like it was a it was a change in president. Mm-hmm. There were, you had people losing their homes. You had people losing their investments. you had lo- people lose so th- there goes their money and their, their yep. security. You had, you had people having to move to, just, to, just to go and work. You had people you had a, a crazy influx of suicide mm-hmm. during that time. So if you're a kid within and you're just you know you're five, six, seven, eight years old, at this time, all you're seeing is like the stress of your of your family. Maybe you had to move because your dad had to get or mom had to change jobs. Maybe you your one of the parents had to go back to school to you know get another degree or a more advanced degree so they could be more you know get move a little bit more fluid within the job market. All those things, what you don't realize is how because I mean you know when it comes to like nine eleven we were talking about yeah why that was so important. It was so important. Number one, it was a national trauma. Mm-hmm. I knew no one that died in nine no, eleven. I didn't know either. anyone. But it greatly affected the world in which I grew up in.
1: Absolutely, it threw us into a
0: war. Yes, the military went up. I mean, people, people were enlisting. dying. People, uh, yeah, it yeah, was crazy. Yeah, and which is probably which you know, when you look at the when you look at the boomers, you know, they were post World War. They had Korea. They had Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, Gen X was certainly impacted by by some of those things too. Although they didn't have as many. I don't think as many wars for the length of time as what some of the other generations actually had. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, could they, be wrong. They had the Cold War. They had. They did. They had the Cold War, which was its own, which was its own thing that changed. You know, their their culture and the d- dynamics of what it meant to grow up in it. it but for them, so we're talking for, for Gen Z post nine eleven world, mm-hmm. financial recession, and mm-hmm. we're we're here we are, fourteen years later. And we have people who the majority of them say, how much money I make is completely tied to how happy I can be. That's tough.
1: That's a big pill to swallow. That's a big pill to swallow, man. I mean, you look at, again, going back to the whole technology-driven piece, the people that are the, the, the most influential in this generation lives are the people with the most money. Yeah, and they had the most money because they had the most influence. So these yeah. these people called influencers, these these celebrities within a market, their big push is look how many followers I have. This is how much money I have. This is my value, and what you see is my happiness. Because again, they're very unauthentic. Um, this generation yeah. struggles with that, and yeah. so they only see the. Part side that these other people want them to see so they can get more influence and get more money. Right. And so the whole financial thing, everything is driven by how much, what career can I get to make the most money? Right. What what sector can I go in to make the most money? Maybe I should be an influencer because I could see they've made millions of dollars. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna post my first viral video so that I can be a millionaire. You know, everybody yeah. wants to try to be this financial. I don't know, this financial guru, but everybody wants to have these fat bank accounts or Lamborghinis because that's what they see all these influencers have. Right. And they feel like if they don't have money because they saw what the 2008 recession did, when you don't have money, you're broke. You're poor. You're missing out on life. FOMO kicks in. I'm not valued. I don't have worth. Right. I'm not going to be my parents. Right. I'm going to have money. I'm going to be successful. I'll do whatever it takes to do it because that's yes. what those that's what the happiest, most successful, most influential people have. It's not what they do for humanity, it's what they can do for their wallet. Yeah.
0: And it as a pastor, and not to get all preachy or pastory over here. Man, that's just not how the kingdom of God works. Oh, no, not at all. That is completely opposite of what Jesus called the abundant life. It goes completely against his sermon on the mount, the Beatitudes.
1: Goes against that, the yeah. The
0: economy of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. The economy of the kingdom of God says you're blessed not not because of your financial security. Mm-hmm. You're blessed if you're a peacemaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. Yep. You're blessed if you're mourning, which those those are all things we go, hold on. Those aren't <laughs> blessings. That sounds horrible. <laughs> we go, no. And Jesus says, no. Oh, yeah. Those aren't – the rich isn't – it's easier to go – for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God.
1: Oh, yeah. Look, and – You look at Jesus with the rich young ruler. Yes. The, the guy did everything right. Yeah, which the first six that Jesus mentioned are the easiest ones to fulfill. Yeah, and then he nails them with "Give all your money away and follow me." Yep. Yeah, <laughs> how oh, many? How dude. many of this generation, any generation, but this generation specifically? Yeah, would you? Would you say, "Hey, Jesus wants you to give away all your money and follow him"? <laughs> like that? That is. That'd <laughs> be like
0: absolutely not.
1: No, not a chance. No. Jesus doesn't want you to Jesus wants you to take your iPhone and go give it to a friend and then yeah. live with a flip phone for a year. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna no, do absolutely that. Absolutely not. I mean that's just an extreme example, but like yeah. that's not the kingdom of God's economy. No. Like and and that's where that's where I think the influence of technology has kind of warped the mind because the values and characteristics of Christ and Christianity have become so watered down because of influences of other religions or other Christian leaders who have voices that water things down. All of a sudden, kids, this generation, believe so much of so little Mm -hmm. that they're so shallow. Yeah. And so those type of things are just something they can't believe in or grasp because they can find somebody else who will support what they believe and still believe in Christ and still be a Christian. Yeah. And as a pastor, that's incredibly challenging when you tell people, you know, it's okay to be rich. It's okay to have money. You just can't have money, have you? Like (laughs) money, 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 money only solves money problems. Right. There's so many other issues in life that money can't solve. Yeah. Yeah. But money can solve, solve money issues, right? But that's about it. So happiness has nothing to do with your, how much is in your bank account. It has everything to do with Jesus,
0: yeah. yeah. Because security, and we're gonna get into that here in just a second. Uh, we're uh, after in here in a minute, but security when you start basing it on something that is so fleeting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it will tear down so quickly when it goes away. Oh yeah. Because what happens when the money goes away? What happens when the job goes away? Yeah, what happens happens when the influence goes away? Yeah,
1: what happens when the next recession? Exactly. You you post one thing wrong
0: and you lose all your followers. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do then? You know, uh, there are the TikTok, like, influencers, people who are really popular on that app, and, you know, they talk about there's this, it's called being, like, shadow banned. And I don't know if it's, like, a real thing or not, but they... It's very concerning for them because in one instant they have hardly any views on their video, Ooh. and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm having millions of views, and now I'm only having like a few thousand views. What's happening?" And then they'll, you know, they'll they'll keep churning out content, and then s- somehow the algorithm picks them back up and puts them. They're like, "Oh, okay, I'm back back into it. I don't know what happened. I was shadow banned for a little while. Like I was, you know, so." The ability so when you start basing your income on something that's so fleeting, it can just it can be gone. So there's a so here there there's a challenge. Yeah. That's one of our challenges with Gen Z. Here's the next thing. They are extremely inclusive and uh they they are sorry, they value inclusivity and individualism. So mm-hmm. one th- and remember these numbers are way different now. These are old um and they're trying to catch up with them right now. One third back in 2016 believed gender is how someone feels on the inside, not connected to their birth sex. So a third believe gender is how someone feels. Two in five Gen Zers interact with people that are different than them compared to boomers who only about a quarter of them say they interact with someone ethnically, culturally, and spiritually different than them. That's really... That's a big gap. Those are some. Those are some. And I know those are two very individual things. Those are two very individual ways. Of, but it it very much goes into how they see the world, inclusivity and individualism. So this and look, this probably is, we can address these separately. But w- Ryan, what are what are the challenges challenges of a generation that idealizes inclusivity and individualism? Well, it makes it about themselves and not about the greater good. Yep. You know, yep.
1: um, you know Jesus. Jesus said, "Pick up your cross daily and follow me." Yeah, He didn't say, "Hey, I I picked up my cross so you can be you." <laughs> oh. he, you know, there. Th- that's not who. Yeah. That's not Jesus. Jesus was not about the individual. He loved people individually, but then he said, You're part of my family. Yeah. He said, If you're going to, if those who are father, you're going to have to like leave your father and mother and follow me. And blessed are you for doing that. Yeah. Like Jesus was not about it. So when you tell people, Hey, you as an individual matter, but your individual values. You have to lay aside. Yeah. Oh, that's that makes people say then you're that you're evil. That mo- you're immoral. You're no longer morally good. You know, um, that's not right. I can't be a part of this. Um, this doesn't align with who I am. And so, like the individual, the, the the that individualism that that is so preached right now in this culture. Yeah. Man, as a pastor, that that that's a hard barrier to break down because you yeah. have to tell people, you know, you hear the church a lot right now, this slogan, better together. Yep. And you're constantly, I'm I'm constantly, hey, we're gonna do this because we're better together. You know mm-hmm, why? Because mm-hmm. together is what we're called to be. Yeah. Not you and you and you and you as a collection. Right. But right. even even the disciples in Acts right after, you know, the day of Pentecost, daily they met together. Yeah. and broke bread and talked about stuff daily they were they laid their themselves down for the greater good and you know that's something that currently in this generation that's not that's individual that's a really big barrier for pastors in to really especially in in young adults yeah. youth have to break through because that is not what they're preached on on their social media platforms friends influencers yeah. be you be happy all these things it's very anti-biblical type of a view which is hard to
0: be right and it almost it almost sounds like the antithesis or something very opposite when you talk about they're incredibly inclusive oh yeah they're about who they are individually but they are very inclusive of other individuals they are much more sensitive to um, cultural differences and racial differences, and gender identity and sexuality. Um, that what what are the what's the challenge with the inclusivity piece? And I and I don't want it to just if for any and honestly. If any Gen Zers are listening to this, I don't want it to sound like we're like harping and it's all negative because I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's all negative. No, I don't
1: think so do either. No, but what
0: what is what is that? What's the challenge with that in, inclusivity piece?
1: Um, I think you know. I, I think I, I, I mentioned it before, but they're so inclusive. They're they're just so inclusive because they don't want to be excluded. Oh wow! This generation, they're yeah. they're they they're so inclusive because they don't want to be the one left out. Yeah, they don't want to be the one ostracized. Yeah, they don't want to be left out on an island. So. To prevent them from being left out for that FOMO, um, they'll lay their values in their character aside yeah. and say that this is for me. But it, but I'll accept you and your values and your characters because if I detach from you or if I don't exclude you, I'll be Xed out. Yeah, I'll be I'll be canceled. I'll yeah. I'll no longer have friends. I'll lose influence. I'll I'll become a social outcast, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to be exclusive to you because in one moment. If I'm not inclusive, then then I'm I'm canceled. Then I'm I'm pushed outside of the circle. Wow. And so for for the inclusivity, it makes it really challenging um, for them to stand on values and characters and beliefs because you know the LGBTQ community. You know, if you stand up against them, you see what they're what's happening with Disney now in Florida. You know the the don't say gay bill. You know, you can't t- teach kids. Kindergarten, first, second, third grade sexuality, which anybody would be like, okay, but you stand against it. And now all of a sudden you get wiped off the face of the earth. So, I mean, their friends, they just can't have a voice to say no. Like, no is no longer an okay word to use. It's all about, that's no for me, but that's, but I, but you're with me. So I'm going to be, that's okay. I'm going to fight for you. So, I mean, it makes it, incredibly a difficult thing because you want them to be able to be like there's there's this yes and no there's mm-hmm. a clear Jesus way and not a Jesus way yeah and Jesus said I'd rather be on the fence be lukewarm so I can spit you out of my, of my mouth because at least I know where to pull you from and yeah. and so there's so many this generation there's so many fence sitters yeah it's hard to pull them to one side or the other because they know once they're pulled they lose the, their inclusivity because they're no longer inclusive to the people
0: around them. So you could say a challenge with, with this aspect is um, a lack of commitment.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a lack of commitment, which is, which is hard. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you, in anything in life, you have to be committed
0: to it. So the next thing, safety and security safety and security. So we said before safe pace, safe they want to be and they want to belong to safe spaces that accept others and themselves but mm. they believe real safety is a myth. Yeah. The majority believes that real safety is a myth. Oh yeah. So a lot of that's rooted in what we talked about earlier the financial security mm-hmm. that there's no real there's no real safety there. And there's no real safety when you grow up in a world where all you see is war. Post nine eleven world, people in your community, especially for us, we were we're, we for those who if you happen on this podcast and you don't, you're not part of Generations United. The area we live in is a majority military area. We have several large bases around us, and so now I didn't live here during like those years, but you know immediately after nine eleven, but. I heard plenty of stories, and I know so many people that they lost people that they knew and they they loved. So you're growing up in a community, and you are co- – it's completely out of your control. Oh, yeah. Financially, it's out of your control. Globally, the how countries are interacting are out of your control. So what challenge do, is it – what are the challenges with a generation that does not trust systems or organizations?
1: I think it goes back to the, the, I think it falls really hand in hand with the first things that we've been talking about. Yeah. The inclusivity, the individualism. I mean, when you talk about um, the success and perfect driven part, all, all that, all of it's fluff.
0: It's just yeah
1: all fluff there is no rock for them to stand on there's not there's not any there's not so, so
0: concerning for them so
1: yeah. so concerning every step they take is is soft ground and you know yeah. Jesus put the example you know build a house on the rock you know we can weather the storm you build it on the sand it's going to be swept away this whole generation's entire life is built on sand yeah and so um when you when when you don't believe that there's a real true place for safety I mean shoot. You can't be yourself. You can't no. be authentic. You no. can't stand for anything because you know that in one ho- one moment, whatever I thought was safe isn't safe. So you're issuing an apology, or
0: <laughs> or
1: you know you're going around yeah. and you're 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 trying to save things
0: to get back into the place of safety. For people who are not familiar with what we're talking about, we're talking about the apology videos that yes. a lot of these like influencers and popular people they. You know, they're on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and you know they're up in front of the camera and they're real solemn or they're crying and they're apologizing for maybe they they could either be a, have been called out for something. Yeah. There's a lot of people that get called out for like things if they've made something that a comment that was racist or misogynist mm-hmm. or um, homophobic or whatever or transphobic. I mean, like all these, but they get yeah they 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 it is to perpetuate the income that comes from the influence they have yeah. they have to get back into the good graces you have to. of people
1: so when you look at this generation that's that's what they that's what they see Yes. they see that this is the way you have to act if you're gonna be successful yeah if you're gonna be success driven and that's what they see success is right you know I mean just look at the job the the current work the situation nobody wants to work five days a week everybody wants to work go now to a four day a week 30 hour a week that's a big push now you know yeah. they want more vacation days why because success success for this generation is completely different for success in my family's generation yeah you know for yeah. them it was success was working one job 20 years 25 years getting a nice big house mm-hmm. nice car good retirement that was success right this generation they don't want a house they want multiple houses or they want to be able to visit and travel the world in ways that we never thought was possible um they want they success for them is having hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers, having influence in people's lives, which I call like fake leadership. But, um, <laughs> you know, because leaders, Maxwell said leadership is influence nothing more than nothing less. Well, there's a lot of crappy leaders out there and they're oh, leading yeah. our generation. This and, these. and for them, that's success. That's, that's a that's yeah. that driven part. I'm going to be a leader. That's what success is. This So success is completely seen in a different way in this generation than previous. And so it prevents them from being able to have have safety it prevents them from having security uh, because all that could be taken away because it's not real success it's only virtual success it's only fake success yeah because in one moment somebody else can come and go blow beside them um, and they're gone
0: so family life for gen z only one third of gen z believes that their family plays a role in their identity formation wow and that again we're saying these numbers have probably changed yeah Only a third truly believes that their family has helped form their identity or is part of that process. Man, Gen Z sees their parents as double-minded. So they see their parents as either helicopter parents or completely hands-off. So family does not help inform their identity. Also, they are stuck in between these very opposite ideas of parenting Mm -hmm. of just too much parenting and then zero zero parenting so what are the challenges for gen z when the family unit is not seen as overly important or not being a safe space
1: I mean, when you, I, I don't blame them to be honest. I yeah, mean, you, I, I think
0: that's a, that's a fair assessment, actually.
1: The divorce rate in our country the last 15, 20 years. I yeah. mean, most of them, m- more than fifty percent of them, have now been uh, are being raised in the second marriages. Yeah. Stepmoms, not their moms. Right. Split marriage. So to them, family doesn't have value because it wasn't valuable to them. Like their parents didn't find it valuable, so they just went and married somebody else. So are this constant turnover. And when you're talking about like how that affects ministry, I mean, the Bible is full of family dynamics and phrases in which we view God and we view the church. Yeah. God, our Father. Well, if you had a horrible father experience... Yeah. And you don't see families as playing a role, then having God as Father can be challenging. Having the body of Christ be a family can be a challenging aspect. Yeah. And so not only that, again, it goes back to if the family, if their
0: personal family isn't forming their identity, who is? Yes. And if the family isn't a safe space to form an identity, then it, then the responsibility of identity formation is on myself. Myself. And so I say, who do I want to be? How do I want to view myself? I can be whoever I want to be. Absolutely. Which, by the way, was told to us over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So why would we not also share that same idea with this next generation? And what we're saying is that is not the ways of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus... Yeah, he loved the individual. The church is meant to be a family, and families are going to mess up.
1: We're going to mess up. Oh yeah, we're not
0: perfect. We're not perfect. And I think that that, that was. I remember someone recently, you know, talking about some of these crazy things coming out about pastors and other faith leaders, and they were like, you know, talking to people who were kind of wanting to give up on church. Yeah. And you know, this person just said, "The church has failed you, and the church has hurt you, and for that." I'm sorry, but Jesus, but Jesus still loves the church,
1: yeah, He created it.
0: This imperfect, very troubled group of people we can be sometimes, He still loves us to the point where he said i am I am the head of this thing." yeah, and it is an incumbent upon us to submit to that leadership. And to follow His ways, and when we don't, that's where a lot of this stuff begins begins to mess up, begins to mess up for us. When 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 our view is no longer of the the uh, the cross that offers us grace, we then get into this very individualistic idea. And so for this for Gen Z, for these the group of people who are growing up in this very unsure world. And to the point where their own families, their homes are not even safe spaces. Yep. That's a troubling, that's a troubling world to grow up in.
1: Oh, man. It's not only troubling for them, it's going to be troubling for their children. A hundred percent. Like, and, and not to be like over spiritual, but if let's be over spiritual, let's We're be pastors. over, yeah. Let's, let's, God created family. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. A son shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, right? Family was God's idea. Yeah. All throughout the, the creation of the world and humanity, Satan has been trying to destroy family. And really in our culture, in this time of age, he's been able to do it in such a way that it has taken family out of the dynamics of humanity and how people are formed. That is a huge spiritual attack, in our culture, that people don't recognize and they don't see. I had um, I, I was listening to Jensen Franklin years ago, and he said he said, "Parents, when you make church optional, don't be surprised when your kids find God non." Uh, don't make God a priority, yeah. and what he was trying to say was, listen, parents. Your family's ability to form your kids by taking them to church, by giving them values, by giving them character, by, by teaching them informing them and telling them who they are and, and putting God's word in their lives and, and teaching them who, who they are in Christ as, as they are as an individual, yeah. when you don't do that, when you make that optional, your kids are going to grow up. And they're gonna cause He got as a priority. They're gonna see Him as yeah. as as something that's out there that's for somebody else, but not for me. And you look at uh, in the Old Testament, every time God did something really great in a generation, it's usually the next generation. It will say, and they forgot the works of God, and they <laughs> fell off because yeah. there wasn't a transfer. There wasn't this this transfer of faith. Yeah. And then they went down a wicked path until they were. Trash, really. God yeah. comes in, punishes them, puts, gets them into bondage from another country. They cry out to God. God delivers them. The whole generation believes in Jesus and or God, and then all of a sudden it's it just this perpetual cycle. And right now, I think we're kind of in that kind of a cycle, yeah. which gives me hope for the next gen- for the next generation, that this generation really. Has really got beat down in this area, where where through spiritual attack, and it's it's a shame. I hate it for them, man.
0: And it's and this, I guess, too. Like I, want to say, like this isn't to like shame like single parents out there. It's not to shame people who are who have been in divorces. Yeah, definitely not. A hundred percent. And it's it's not. It's that's not the the purpose of this. And that's if that's what's being received, I don't want that. I want, but we do have to see the reality mm-hmm. of our choices, yeah. and we do have to see the reality of how these kids are being are being formed. Mm-hmm. Because we have to, as parents, we're we have to be so so intentional yeah. with our time, and we have to be so intentional with the messages that we're sending. Because we're helping develop and form these these lives who are going to go out into the world and then form other people, other lives. Oh yeah. And that's the goal here. That when we say you know, that's not the, the challenge we're talking about the challenges of it because it's challenging for them. It's challenging for those of us who are not within that generation. Mm. You know what I mean? Because parent
1: this generation needs the voice of their parents. Yeah. Like just, yeah. just, just real quick. Like yeah. th- this generation needs parents to be parents. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like w- we have allowed before the only people I didn't I didn't have people to be able to speak into my life except for my parents, my pastor, my youth pastor, and my grandparents. Yeah. I didn't have influence from guys on YouTube, on my social <laughs> no. media stars. No. Like at 13, those are my only voices were those five four voices. Right. So like now they have so many thousands of voices telling them, informing them. Parents, they need us more than ever to be the be that main voice in their lives once again. And yeah. how that happens, I'm not quite sure, but maybe. it's needed
0: I'm not and as we kind of shift into kind of the opportunities with this generation I also want to just share an insight to with because I imagine I hope and I imagine there's going to be some people who are Gen Z that are going to listen to this and they're going to be like y'all don't understand us actually you think you understand us you're just a bunch of millennials you know musing about it (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean and I I really do get that that critique, because I shared with you, I had listened to a conversation with uh, people who were older and were talking with someone in the gen, in in that Gen Z bracket, and they were like, "Y'all had this homogenous understanding of the world mm-hmm. for millennials. Like, we had a very homogenous understanding of the world. Things that were cultural influences, maybe it was a little bit different, like based on like where you grew up or your socioeconomic status, but for the most part, it was pretty." Pretty consistent, yeah. You know the kind of music that influences, the movies, the TV that influences, and all that. Now, because of screens, and or because of the internet and social media, social media is very cult. It cultivates to whatever the user likes and what the user wants, which makes for this very siloed, individualistic identity. Yeah, and so. These are some very broad strokes of this generation. It's not it's not prescriptive to every single person, but it is it is something to understand and realize, too, that they're also all... What makes it difficult for us to understand and, and minister and parent is that they're all very different. Yeah. They're not all the same. Thank you, everyone, for listening to part one of our discussion on Gen Z. Pastor Ryan and I spend a lot of time in this episode, really setting it up, talking about who Gen Z is, what they're about, what are our challenges. And I hope that you'll go to part two and listen to our discussion on the opportunities and hopes for this generation, because there are so many opportunities for them, and our hope is truly great. At Gen U, we really do believe that anyone at any stage in life can experience the love of God, the forgiveness of Christ and the peace of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to Gen U, head on over to genuchurch.com, find out our service times, find a group to get plugged into, and find out how to serve in our faith community. We love you, Gen U, and we hope you'll stay tuned for part two in our discussion on Who is Gen Z.